Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening, I'm Nathan Owens, and I'm, as usual, joined here by Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Pastor Murphy, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing just well, well, Nathan, good to have you, good to be here with you tonight. I'm glad that each of you have tuned in and joined us here on That's Truth. Pastor Murphy, I want to start out the program this evening with a question from a listener in St. Croix. This listener contacted us during the week with the following scenario. She is called up to serve as a potential juror on a question, and a question comes up on how to determine what is right and wrong. She uses God's word as a basis, but others say the truth is relative. How can you work on a jury and be in agreement with others that have a different worldview? Well, I don't see any necessary conflict here. I think that a believer, um, in this case, this lady, she just has to do exactly what every Christian should do, be guided by biblical principles, biblical norms. Uh, whether a person agrees with that or not is immaterial. We have to take our position as believers, and we must not in any way be intimidated by any alternative view. Uh, she just has to judge the matter uh, on the basis of what she believes to be the truth and um, make her decision in that regard. It doesn't matter who approves, who endorses, or who falls in line with her own view. The important thing is to stick to the truth as she understands it and being guided by, by the Scriptures. I want to jump right into our topic for the night. Our topic tonight has been called the Silent Holocaust. You more likely know it as abortion. Did you know that worldwide there is a child aborted every second? You may say, well, that's an issue for other countries. My country here in the Caribbean has laws against it. I have news for you. Based on published studies and the word of reliable sources, many abortions are happening here in Antigua and throughout other islands in the Caribbean. The topic of abortion has the tendency to become very technical in the realm of medical terminology. To assist with any medical terms which may come up in the discussion this evening, we have another guest in the studio this evening, Madari Henry. Madari is currently in the clinical phase of med school. Madari, welcome, and thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Madari, can you start off, and from a medical perspective, define for us what is pregnancy? So pregnancy is the period from which um, the woman has her last menstrual period right up to when she has the baby. That's about 40 weeks. So they view it even before the time of fertilization? Yes. Okay. Is there a difference between an embryo and a fetus, or are those terms interchangeable? So the embryo is an earliest stage of development. It's usually from the third 
to the eighth week during pregnancy or what they would call gestation period. And the fetus? And the fetus is usually after. So it's about the ninth week um, right up to birth. Okay, so there'll be two different time periods after the egg is fertilized before birth. That's correct. All right. And now for a question that really determines a lot of things in our discussion this evening. When is conception from a medical standpoint from Madari? So conception is considered when the egg from the woman um, combines with the sperm from the male, um, and that is considered fertilization, and that's what we would call conception. There's also another view um, of which uh, conception is viewed as implantation. So that would be a week after fertilization where the combination of both the um, egg and the sperm after they have already combined and now they're ready to implant into the wall of the uterus, which is a week after fertilization. Um, By some, that is also considered conception. Pastor Murphy, from the biblical perspective, when would you say that life begins? Well, I, I don't think it's just when I say life begins, when the Bible says life begins. Okay. Uh, one would be, um, it'd be very difficult for anyone to contest that when you look at Scripture, that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that life begins from the point of conception. Um, there are several passages of Scripture that deals with this matter. Uh, for those who want to follow these passages, you could probably look them up in the Bible. Uh, Genesis uh, 4.1, and then Job chapter 3 and verse number 3. And then one of the great passages that deal with this matter is Psalms 139, verse 13 to 16. Um, but uh, the Bible makes it very clear. It makes no distinction between uh, a person's conception and, and birth. Um, it's, life is a continuity from conception to actual birth. It's a person. Uh, that's the biblical teaching on the matter. So would you hold that life begins at the point of fertilization or when the egg is implanted in the wall? I, 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 I would hold to the biblical view which talks about conception, which has to do with the egg meeting the sperm. Okay. That is when a person is conceived. And, and by the way, there, there's... Um, there is a medical quote I could probably sometime during the, the process of the discussion uh, quote uh, a French doctor who is very uh, knowledgeable in this area, um, deals with genetics. That is also his definition, that it actually takes place from the time the egg meets the sperm, uh, something completely new is created. All right. Pastor Murphy, abortion. What is the effect of abortion on the the mother uh, when an abortion takes place? Well, I would say um, it depends a lot on whether the person who is undergoing the abortion um, believes that they're actually taking a life or not. Uh, the problem today, of course, is that a lot of people are given the impression that um, when you take and do an abortion, you're not killing a person, you're not killing an individual, you're just um, getting rid of some protein blob or some appendage in the body. Uh, so a person who holds that view is not likely to have the same level of, of guilt or sensitivity towards what has taken place. Uh, but a person who uh, believes and understands that you're taking a life, it has a profound effect upon the, the mother. It's like 
I don't know if you've ever talked to a, a mother who's lost a, a child to a miscarriage or a mother who's pregnant and who, for some reason, have lost a child. It, it's like part of her is gone. Um, they feel it very, very deeply, even though uh, in that case it's a form of abortion, um, but it's natural. It, it just happened. But there is something uh, that when that happens, uh, they deeply felt emotionally. And any mother or any individual that takes the life of a child uh, by abortion will have sense of guilt. Uh, many times they'll have second thoughts. Uh, but the idea of taking a human life, it, it weighs heavily upon the, the conscience of a person, and that can lead the person to, into depression. Um, a, a lot of time why um, f- what should be done really is that the professional who is advising on abortion, they really should act- actually discuss the consequences, mental, emotional, uh, to, the, to the person. But a lot of cases, this information is hid. And it's only after the person's gone through the whole process and then it begins to be they begin to feel the effects of it. Uh, it is then there's this vain regret. But emotionally, um, psychologically, great damage. And of course, physically as well. There are people who have had abortion and um, because of the scars, um, some of them cannot even get pregnant again. They can't even have another baby. Uh, so there are the emotional effects, the physical effects. And of course, spiritually, if you're a Christian and you've committed abortion, uh, you must feel that deeply because you offended God. Uh, so on those three levels, emotional, physical, and, and spiritual, um, it has a tremendous impact on, on, on uh, the person who's committed abortion. For the listener who says, I've had an abortion, maybe it was before I was saved or after I was saved, how do I find f- healing, Pastor Murphy? Well, there's only one source of healing, and that is forgiveness and pardon. Uh, Ignorance does not excuse an offense. It's just like ignorance of the law. You can still be held liable to the law even though you've committed an act that violates the law. Uh, So once you've become aware that what you've actually thought was mistakenly uh, a protein law but actual person, and you become uh, aware of that, you need to um, get forgiveness and pardon. That's where you go to God. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, the only way you will ever have cleansing and healing and um, forgiveness and pardon and have that restored peace is to settle the matter before the Lord. But it doesn't do any good by uh, burying the, the matter, burying head in the sand, pretending it didn't happen. Uh, you need to get before God and uh, deal with this matter. Uh, there are times, however, that you need a human contact, and you may need, just need to sh- be able to share what has happened with somebody to get human comfort. Um, I would suggest that you meet with your pastor's wife or some other uh, lady who um, is spiritual, and um, if you want to share what has happened, and, and they can cry with you and weep with you and hug you and reassure you, if that human element would help, I think, uh, you should also do that. But the key thing here is recognizing this is wrong, it is sin, seeking God's forgiveness, and God has promised that he will forgive and to pardon if we would uh, confess our sins and repent of our sins. Pastor Murphy, are there any other effects on the family as a result of an abortion? Well, I... Um, Again, um, a lot of it depends on how close the family is. Um, depends also on the, the whether or not your your family is are Christians, and uh, who hold a very strong biblical view. It, it can have an impact and it can affect relationships um, within the family structure. 
if your family are convinced that it's it's murder, it, it's killing an innocent child, uh, that is bound to affect your relationship with your with your um, your family. If, if your husband uh, similarly were to discover that, and he has a strong biblical view, uh, it can affect the relationship uh, with your family. So it's not just something that is personal uh, in terms of the individual alone. It has serious repercussions in terms of family members. So there's evidence to show that it could lead to the disruption of a marriage relationship. Well, you just put yourself in a case like that where you're, you're, you're a Christian and you hold a strong view on, on human life and then you discover that your wife has had an abortion. Um, it would be very unusual that that would not impact your relationship. Yeah. It would create doubt and, um, and everything in a marriage is based on trust. Yeah. And uh, when trust breaks down in a marriage, the marriage is virtually on the rocks. You have to rebuild trust. Why do you think it is that society has whitewashed the murder of children, but yet if I were to go outside the studio and shoot a man along the side of the road, I would be held accountable for murder? Uh, Part of the reason for that is because uh, abortion has become legalized murder. In other words, the government has sanctioned it. And uh, and don't forget, too, there are two basic ideologies that are governing uh, planet Earth. There is the Christian worldview and the secular worldview. The secular worldview uh, does not um, hold to creation. They don't believe in a God. They don't believe that. They believe that man is just a higher animal. There's no difference between man and an animal. Uh, There's no purpose in life. There's no destiny. Um, If you adopt that kind of a philosophy, uh, you can easily see where it can be carried over, where human life loses its value. Uh, so I, I think that that is part of the, the problem. The the other thing is, of course, that um, we are living in an age where uh, we've lost the, the biblical um, standards. We've, we've moved away from biblical truth. Uh, we have now embraced the evolutionary theory. Uh, and all of this have resulted in the devaluation of human life. The other factor, too, when we move away from that direction, we're now living in the age where um, people are just in the mad pursuit of pleasure. And people don't want anything that inconvenience them. And one of the main reasons for abortion is not because of any uh, biological uh, reason why the abortion should be taking place. The the mom's life is not under threat. Uh, The child is not deformed or having some kind of a handicap issue. The main reason is um, it's because it is not convenient uh, at this point and juncture in that person's life, and the easiest thing to do is to get rid of a child. Pastor Murphy, is abortion ever acceptable from the bi- biblical perspective? Let me just um, put one case that I can... Uh, while there's no specific biblical passage that would um, say specifically to this matter, but I do believe that in a case where a mother's life is in danger, uh, for example, there are times when a child, um, baby basically, uh, in the Philippian tube, and the mother's life is in danger, you either take uh, the, the life there, or if you let it develop, the mother's going to die. And I, I, I believe in a case like that where the mother's life is under threat. Um, I believe that um, it would be right and proper to save the mother's life. There's a good biblical precedent for this, by the way. There is a fascinating passage in the book of Exodus uh, that talks about 
Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 to 25, where there are two men who are engaged in some kind of a fight, and a pregnant woman intervenes and tries to uh, perhaps um, bring the fight to an end, but in the process, uh, she is struck, and it, it, um, we're told that uh, there are certain consequences. In one case, if the, the child is killed, uh, there is a, a price that has to be paid, a monetary price that is paid. But if the mother is, is killed, it is life for life, limb for limb, the, the law of lex telionis comes into place. So it would seem in a case like that, if you're looking for a biblical principle that would help you to differentiate between taking the life of a mother where the life of a child where the, the mother's life is in danger, I think that would be an appropriate passage. Exodus chapter 21, verse uh, 22 to verse number 25. I read a quote from a doctor. They said, in Iceland, every single baby, 100% of all those with Down syndrome are aborted. What's the biblical approach on that? Well, if you check the scriptures, you'll find that God is always on the side of the the poor, the needy, uh, the handicapped. There's a lot of passages in the the uh, Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus, that talks about the taking care of the lame and the, the blind. Uh, life, every single human being is made in the image of God, and we do not have the right to kill an innocent human being. Uh, we should be compassionate and caring, and uh, just like God is compassionate and caring towards us. So they're what you call the therapeutic ab abortion, and this is where the life of the mother's at risk and the child's life had to be taken. And what you're talking about is the, the aborting for eugenics, and that is when there's a retarded child, a re uh, deformed child, or some handicap, and that be they become aware of that. The, the reason for that really has to do with... Um, there's no biblical ground for taking the life of the child, but again, you're looking at the long-term consequences and the care of the child. This is where uh, compassion is needed, and this is where Christian love is required. And then, of course, there, there are people today who uh, commit abortion because it's psychiatric, and by that, the mother's mental health. It's not now just that they're looking at the physical health of the mother, but they've now broadened that concept of health to include uh, the mental health of the child. And then uh, there's socioeconomic reasons as well, where they look at poverty, look at the person not able to take care of the child. All of these are, are reasons that are, that, that are given. Uh, but scripturally speaking, uh, we're to care for the needy, the poor, the handicapped, the halt, and the blind. When our Lord was on earth, that was one of his great attractions. You'll find that the blind came to him, the lepers came to him, and he showed us exactly the model that we should have. There must always be, in our attempt at life, um, uh, our social responsibility to take care of the less fortunate. Uh, no Christian should endorse the taking of an innocent life, even if that person is handicapped. What about in the case, though, of, well, you, you summed it up by saying handicapped, but I was going to say I've heard the argument that it would be so much more merciful to end the life of that unborn child who is going to be born without any limbs than it would be to bring them into this life and not even saying the parents are selfish, but the child is going to have a, a very difficult life. What would be your response? Uh, I don't doubt that it would be difficult. Um, but again, who gives life? God does. Who sustains life? God. And who protects life? God. So, so I'm not God. And uh, if you read the, the Old Testament as well and other passages, God said, I make the blind, I make the death. Uh, 
He's the one that, that gives life. And who am I, uh, uh, who am I to take that life that God has given? Uh, again, we must not look at what is convenient for us. We must look that there must be this caring, compassionate element. And this is where the church, uh, especially the church in America, has done a tremendous job in facing these issues and creating institutions to care uh, for these type of people. We in the Caribbean, as I said, we are very, very good at analysis. We are very, very good at criticizing. Our biggest problem is that we don't seem to come up with solutions, uh, solutions, that, solutions that are costly at, at the same time. But if we are going to be compassionate, it's going to cost us. And if we're going to follow the scriptures, it's going to cost us. Um, so I am saying that um, whether the person is handicapped or whether the person is deformed or retarded, uh, whatever the genetic condition is, no man has the right to take that person's life, an innocent life. Pastor, a caller from Antigua is asking the question, if a woman is raped and the action resulted in her getting pregnant, what advice would you give to her? Again, this is uh, another reason that they give for abortion is violation in, in some form or the other. Uh, but again, I think the proper thing to do, um, um, if a person is raped, nobody endorses that. Nobody feels that's a good situation. Uh, but again, do we take the life of the innocent because the guilty person has perpetrated some kind of a crime? Uh, my recommendation in a case like that would be, uh, for conscience sake, for biblical, uh, the Bible's sake, again, if God is the one that gives life, we may not understand why you're raped and why he's allowed um, you to become impregnated, etc., etc. But the proper thing to do in, in a case like that, if, if there are too many scars and you have a tendency to think that if the child is, is, is born, you take care of the child, it would, the, the memory of that would be so hurtful and so painful, put the child up for adoption. Uh, that's an, a very good alternative um, if you can't handle the situation, but, but you do not solve one problem by creating another problem. Uh, because you've been violated physically, that doesn't give you the right to take the life of an innocent person. So my, my, my response to you would be that if you find that it's difficult for you to handle the child, um, put the child up for adoption. Pastor Murphy, does God hold a society accountable for the sins of individuals? That's an interesting question because uh, in preparation for this um, discussion that we're having, uh, one of the expressions that you find um, repeated uh, in the Old Testament especially um, has to do with God requiring the, the blood of the innocent. It would be a fascinating study for anyone who wants to pursue this uh, to go into the Bible and take a concordance and uh, see how many times God calls attention to the fact that if we slay the innocent, if we kill the innocent, God said, I will not hold that nation guiltless. As a matter of fact, God is so concerned about human life that in the Old Testament, when a person built a home and they had a, an upstairs section, they had to put a parapet. Because if a person came to your home and uh, went to your balcony and fell off, you were held accountable. See, So it, it's... Um, it's a very serious matter, and I think that part of America's problem today, and I think she is going to be brought to her knees eventually, has to do with this mass Holocaust slaughter of the innocent. Every year in America, two million babies are aborted. Since 1973, um, when they had the... the, uh, the Roe versus Wade. Roe Ro 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 Wade, since America's already killed over 37 million children through abortion. Uh, 
Worldwide, there are 50 million kids aborted every single year worldwide. Now, how can a God who is compassionate, a God who is creator, uh, a just God, how can he remain indefinitely passive uh, towards this moral atrocity that's being committed globally? And a nation of America, which, whose founding fathers and the entire nation basically uh, were founded on biblical principles, how can a nation that has this kind of knowledge uh, and, and this kind of light and this kind of blessing, how can it not be that God intervenes and, uh, and to deal with a nation like America where this great Holocaust uh, continues unabated? Um, the, the Bible is clear on that in the Old Testament, that the, the blood of the innocent God will require the nation. Let me mention one other thing that is fascinating. In the, in the Old Testament, if a person was killed outside a city, and uh, they didn't know who murdered the person. It was a requirement under the Old Testament economy that the city, uh, the, 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 the city nearest to the murder had to do some kind of atonement. That's how serious the innocent life of a person was held in, in God's view. Uh, so uh, if we uh, continue to, to slaughter innocent babies, uh, we can be downright sure that not only will be held accountable in the great day of judgment, but God has ways and means of dealing with us even currently. Um, there are hurricanes, there are storms, there are disasters, natural disasters, and these are not things that are just uh, a result of normal natural laws. Bringing it even closer to home here to Antigua, I came across a well-published study and the study was done in 2000, March of 2008. And there is an unnamed doctor who is quoted, a doctor from Antigua. Technically, abortion is illegal in Antigua, but the law hasn't been a problem. We, the physicians, have gone to the government trying to seek legislation. And basically, the government has backed off. They said, look, it hasn't been a problem. What we do, what we do is turn a blind eye. But to legislate that abortion would be legal would to cause too much problem with the church. This is a very Christian society. If we try to push this legislation business, we are going to push the church, the conservatives, the whole society against us. And safe abortions that are happening now are going to have to stop. What's your take on that? What should the church be doing? The church must stand on scripture unapologetically. If if abortion is murder, if life begins at conception, as the Bible teaches, the church has no alternative but to take a firm stand against abortion. Uh, we cannot stand by idly and watch the slaughter of the innocents. Uh, it would be unconscionable uh, for the church to remain mute uh, while this Holocaust is going on so secretly. So the position of the church should be strong. As a matter of fact, I, I'm of the opinion that part of the reason why we've got this moral collapse in society is actually the silence of the church. I think the church has lost its moral clout, and part of that is because sometimes uh, the church has aligned itself with, with uh, certain political parties and has lost its credibility as a result. But uh, the church, church must always take a stand for life, and must always uh, be against anything that would lead to the slaughter of the innocent. Well, Nathan, money, all, uh, let, let me say that abortion is big business. Huh? Uh, in America, for example, 
an abortion is like um, one study that I looked at. It's a billion dollar industry, and uh, the cost of an average abortion uh, at the time I looked at the statistics was between four hundred and a thousand dollars just for one abortion. The other thing is that many abortionists uh, profit from the sales of uh, aborted uh, babies and tissue. Uh, babies, for example, uh, are sold in bags to the cosmetic industry for ex- and some for experimentation. One hospital in Washington, D.C., uh, General Hospital, uh, was able to bring in $68,000 for the sale of just uh, pre- pre-aborted babies. So it's big business, big business. That is disturbing. It is. But don't forget the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. So from that quote that I shared with you, Obviously, people are going around the law, and abortion is still happening. Is there a reason to keep it illegal if it's already happening, or how do we how do we shut down those? Are, are we allowed to protest as Christians in order to protest against the government and draw attention to the fact that the church isn't okay with these abortions happening? Look at what is happening in America. Uh, since the 1973 Supreme Court legalization of abortion, there is now in America a complete reversal of public opinion. I think the last thing I saw, I think about 60 or six, between 60 and 70 percent of Americans are now against uh, abortion. Uh, but how did that come about? It came about because Christian institutions, Christian churches, uh, people of faith, um, um, they protested, they had rallies, uh, they used the internet, they, they used their writings, they put in magazines. Um, they did a tremendous marketing job to turn public opinion. They created videos uh, that people could watch on YouTube uh, to show the actual procedure for abortion and how, how the child actually retracts when the, the knife is placed um, so they did a fantastic job in, in trying to reverse public opinion. The problem with us, and I, I don't want to keep hitting this again and again because um, I know that there are men of God and women of God who have got uh, a great deal of work and ministries are involved in, and I know that they, they, you know, they're doing the work of the Lord. The problem I find in the Caribbean is our passivity. Nothing seems to cause us to march or to take a stand publicly. We just passively accept everything that happens. And uh, while we should be protesting before these events take place, after they've taken place, then we talk. I think there is a legitimate um, basis for civil disobedience among Christians. I think there are times when believers ought to to, to march and placard. Uh, And this, to my mind, is one of the most vital. You're talking about life. But Nathan, you're talking about 50 million babies being aborted worldwide. You're talking about, I don't know what is in Antigua. But what would you think of me if I was living uh, near a village or or near a place where I knew that there was a man in that home systematically killing boys? I I knew that. Uh, But I did nothing. Uh, would I not be considered to be part and parcel of the conspiracy? Yeah, complacent. Would I not be liable? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I see it the same way. How can we be silent when innocent lives are being slaughtered? Why? Why? Why are we so passive? 
So I do think there's a, a role for civil disobedience, and uh, there's nothing wrong in speaking out against a government policy or government law, government principle. We're living in a democracy. That's all right uh, to do. So, But I wish that we had more Christians. And by the way, could I say one other thing? I, I don't really think particularly this is the ministry of the pastor. The pastor needs to focus on the church, uh, the people, and uh, the care of the people. I, 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 this is the job of laymen in the church who have got a burden. Uh, let the pastor and the church support th- these kind of ministries. But for the pastor to, to put his hand in all of these ears, he has all these tentacles all over the place so he can't perform his, his functions, I think that's a grave mistake. But I do feel that they're legitimate uh, Reasons, and I think there need to be some men in the church and ladies in the church as well, lay people in the church who are willing to take up uh, this kind of a battle and let the church support them as much as possible. Pastor, is any form of birth control or planning when you're going to have children, is that biblical? Again, there's nothing in the Bible that speaks to this whole matter of, of birth control. Um we're told to be fruitful and multiply. But again, um, this is a matter of conscience between the believer and, and God. Um, most people today believe that we need to control our family, family size. I personally have a problem with the idea that uh, we must only have two children. I think every family should have as large of a family as they can afford. The problem that I've observed uh, uh, as a pastor is that you've got in the church, people who are... Now, it's, it's not an economic issue uh, for, for a lot of people because they can have more children, but somehow we have bought into the idea that we must have small families of two or one, and uh, and the, the concept of being a, having a large family is so remote now uh, that we have the what I call the pagans are multiplying by leaps and bounds, but Christians are just having a few. We are, we are being, <laughs> we're being, uh, let me put, you know, the, the pagans are growing because they're having children almost indiscriminately. But the believer now who's supposed to have faith in God and supposed to trust the Lord, we are just, for some reason, deliberately limiting our families to one or two. And to my mind, that is not only a mistake. I, 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 I don't feel that that is the way that Christians should go. We should trust the Lord. Control family size, I, I don't have any dispute about that. But it, it cannot be that we have this magic number of two uh, per family, et cetera, et cetera, especially when we have the means of sustaining a larger family. Oh, Here, brother, go, yeah, can I say ahead. something Absolutely. else? Uh, let me just say something else about this birth control matter. Again, because there's no biblical verse that speaks to this matter, um, I think it's left to the conscience between the, the conscience between the the, the, the the spouses within the marital relationship, etc. However, I would caution uh, Christians who are going to use different forms of contraception, especially the pill, to really find out from your doctor what the pill that you're using is actually doing. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are many people who are unintentionally taking the life. Uh, of the innocent children by using different types of pills. There are certain pills that uh, prevent the egg from meeting the, the ovum. And uh, clearly, it, when the egg meets the ovum, that's when you, you, you have a conception. Uh, so there are pills that prevent that from happening. But there are also pills that uh, destroy that um, 
um, zygote that's created when the sperm meets with the ovum, and, and uh, as a result, you're actually destroying a person. Now, I don't know if people are aware of this or not, but I remember when I first read it in a book I was reading on abortion, I was shocked to discover that there are a lot of people who are not aware what some pills do. And I would recommend to any person going into a marriage or any person currently using different types of pills, get this whole thing clarified in your mind. Don't just assume that you are getting rid of, of the, the stopping the sperm from, you know, from fertilizing the egg. Um, you have to be very, very careful what is happening there and get this thing. And, and those people who counsel primarily, this is a matter that you need to draw to the attention of people that you're counseling. Because you can be, they can be inadvertently taking an innocent life. And imagine the guilt of that. Uh, if a person been using this kind of a pill for three or four years or five years, and then to discover that the actual pill they're using have been actually been aborting uh, a, a child, it, it, it can be very, very painful uh, when that realization strikes. So get this thing clar clarified in your mind and, and don't just, just look at convenience. Uh, you might be actually... Uh, creating an atrocity in the process. If I know of someone who is considering abortion, how should I advise them? How should I proceed? As a Christian, I would uh, do my utmost best uh, to move that person away from pursuing an abortion. Um, I would try to take the scriptures to show them that life begins at conception. I would try to show the scripture that uh, children are a blessing from God and a gift from God. I would try to show that person that God not only gives life, but God sustains life. And then I would show them from the Bible that God also protects the innocent life. Um, the, the, one of the big problems that we have in dealing with those kind of cases is the alternative. That is the, the dilemma that the church constantly finds itself in, the alternative. We know the problem. And uh, But how do we help to solve the problem? And this, again, is where uh, I must speak again of the wonderful job the American churches have done, where that they've not only condemned abortion, but they've offered young girls alternatives, where uh, there is a kind of a place where they can go and, and, and uh, the ch child, they can take care of the child, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, offer an adoption agency so that after the child is born, if the, 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 the girl doesn't want to keep the child rather than abort the child. The child is up for adoption. But again, this is, this is, this is not only now recognizing the problem, identifying the problem, uh, and, and analyzing the problem, but here is where you're coming with creative answers to help deal with the problem. Pastor, we have a caller calling here from Antigua. Go ahead. Good evening. Good evening. I just want to say that... Um, I appreciate this program that is on right now, and um, it's so educational. And I uh, put it into abortion, yes, sir. just like the pastor has uh, um, explained. I am against all types of murder, abortion, whatever it may be, because I stand on the Word of God. Amen. I endorse everything that the pastor has explained pertaining to abortion. Now, there was a, a, a question um, put to you pertaining by the host pertaining to um, concerning abortion about uh, protests and things like that. Now, I, I don't have a problem with people protesting like that, but I would use just one scripture verse when it says that 
the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God, yeah. pulling out of strongholds. Yeah. Now, I would say that I would encourage especially believers mm-hmm. to enter into their closet and pray against these things because God still answers prayer. Yeah. And no matter what situations we may face in life, the Almighty God that we serve is bigger than any kind of a situation that we face in life. There's nothing that is too hard for him to do. And so we can do a lot of mighty things in our prayer closet. Mm-hmm. That is praying against all these evil yeah. that would pop up all across the globe. That is very true. I appreciate your call. Do you have any, do you have a question for Pastor? Uh, no, I just want to encourage um, you all in this program because um, I listen to it. And, you know, I listened to it um, last week, and, you know, I enjoy listening to the program, and I just want to let you all know that I'm praying for you all to continue this program because, you know, whatever issues you may come up with, I'm here listening, and whenever I have a question, uh, you know, I will call in and say, but I just want to let you all know, keep up the good work, and may God bless you all. Yeah. yeah, sir. May I say a word to you just shortly before you go? Yeah, I appreciate the comments that you've made. Uh, let me just say this: I agree with you totally in terms of the ministry of prayer, intercession, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in a democracy, we also have the privilege and the right to be able to protest when something is going wrong. I don't think the public opinion in America, for example, would have changed towards abortion had not the churches been active and believers active. But this is this is where I differ a little bit with the. Uh, with something. I don't think it's the job of the pastor to do that. The pastor needs to concentrate on the church. But I wish that we can that there be laymen in the church and lay women in the church who who get a burden for these kind of things. Pastor can assist, the church can assist. But I, I, I personally don't have time to be out there protesting. Uh, these kind of matters. But I really feel that we need we need it's like uh Wilberforce with slavery uh in the, in Parliament. Uh, a voice like his is what really brought about the turn of the public opinion in, in, in England. And, and a lot of other things I could mention, but this is where he's a layman, he's not a pastor, but yeah, he used his capacity. I so I agree with you 100% what you're saying. I think there need to be more prayer, more intercession, etc., etc. But I do feel that we need to be more public in some of these matters. And I, I don't, this is not the pastor's job. I can't. I don't understand how pastors have time to do all these different types of things and, and they've got the ministry. But there are lay people who've got ability, talents, gifts, wisdom, knowledge, and they need the support, but they need to be able to, to, to um, be the, in the vanguard of a lot of these things. Thank you very much. I, I, agree, I agree with you 100%, um, because, yes, yes um, I, I am a minister myself, and I am a lot busy pertaining to a lot of stuff, and to go out and protest, I don't really have that time, yeah. but I am not against people, yeah. especially Christians. I'm yeah. not against them going out there and protest. Amen. I, I, I will, I will um, back them up with my prayer and with my words of encouragement, etc. But Thank keep up the good work. I, I'm enjoying the program. Thank you very much for the words of encouragement. Thank you for the prayers. And we look forward to having you call back with another question in the future. Pastor, during that call, we have a listener who sent a WhatsApp question from Antigua. Is it wrong for a Christian to not want any children at all because in Genesis, God commands humankind to be fruitful and multiply? Now, this is a personal view, a very strong personal view. I have mentioned it in our church, and I, I don't mind sharing it with you publicly, but I personally would not marry 
any couple, any Christian, uh, who have no intentions of having children. Now, I'm not talking about if you can't have children. That's another matter. Mm-hmm. But to, to actually go into a marriage to the exclusion of children, uh, I could not endorse that, and I would not sanction it, uh, and I would not marry a person, uh, a couple, who, who tells me right up front, we do not intend to have children. Children are a blessing from God. They're a gift from God. And I would say to people that a lot of times, uh, it's children that keeps a marriage together during times of storm, when love seems to have flown through the window and it's no longer present in the home. Uh, sometimes the stabilizing force that keeps a couple together until they can ride out the storm is their commitment uh, to the welfare of their children. So it, it has a beneficial effect, not only just for the, the, the parents, the ego and the pride that they produce children who are intelligent and who have done certain things, but it's also as a, it keeps families together and it can be a great uh, incentive to hold the marriage together. I'm not saying this is the only reason, but um, I cannot countenance a believer contemplating marriage uh, where they have no intention to have children uh, at all. To my mind, uh, they probably should remain celibate rather than going that direction. Pastor Murphy, I've got a quote that I want to share with you and get your input. This is obviously written from the world's perspective. To reduce the number of clandestine procedures, the grounds for legal abortion in this region should be broadened and access to safe abortion services should be improved for w- women who meet legal criteria. I, I do not endorse abortion, period. Uh, and again, I, I have a problem where uh, we are trying to change laws and alter laws to accommodate people who are doing wrong. Uh, I, and, and again, it's always about the seeming welfare of persons. Listen, sin has consequences. We must not remove the consequence or or the pain of those consequences. And what I can understand, uh, the idea that if you don't have opportunity for abortions to be done underground and uh, some people might die, etc., etc. But again, that's a decision that people make. Immorality is immorality. And there are consequences. Uh, trying to prevent consequences out of the supposed welfare for other people's health, etc., etc., I think is a gross mistake. Pastor, you've got one minute to answer this question. You refer to the unborn child as innocent. Is a child born innocent, or how does sin nature come in? Because we're born with the sin nature, according to Scripture. Well, when I use the word innocent, I mean the, the, the child that's being aborted has done injury to no one. But clearly from uh, David's uh, words in the book of Psalms that in sin did his mother conceive him, uh, we inherit a sinful nature. The moment you have conception, we inherit a sinful nature. So when I use the word innocent, I'm not speaking about innocent in respect to to sin in regards to our standing before God. But I am referring to the fact that uh, a child that's aborted has not even come out of the womb as yet. He's not committed any offense. So I'm I'm using it um, uh, from that aspect. Be sure you tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the topic of what the Bible says about church leadership. What's the role of men? What's the role of ladies in the church? And how they can work together in order to have a God-honoring, Christ-centered church. Thank you for joining us this evening as we 
discuss the topic of abortion. Again, if you have any questions, you can send them throughout the week. Be sure you tune in next week and send us your questions. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.